Welcome to Connected with Micah, where we bring together hope and information to help support your life. Join us on this journey in connecting the dots and finding answers to your most challenging health issues. So let's connect where no topic is off limits. Common interests prevail, but opinions don't always align. This is Connected with Micah. Welcome back to another episode of Connected with Micah. Today's podcast, we are happy to have Tammy Fraser with Fraser Wellness Farms as our guest, and she is a functional nutrition therapy practitioner, also in the same year in 2017, was certified as a WALS protocol practitioner. Now, some of you may be familiar with what a functional nutrition therapy practitioner is or somebody who looks at health and wellness globally to help support your overall health, but you may not have any idea what a WALS practitioner is. And so today, if you have autoimmune issues, allergies, chronic fatigue, MS, fibromyalgia, foggy thinking, thyroid issues, or if you have a child that has different disabilities, whether it's going to be that they have health conditions or autism or gastrointestinal inflammation, uh, severe allergies, you do not want to miss this episode. And we will be having Tammy come back as a reoccurring guest to talk more about healthy lifestyles, nutrition, and wellness. But for today, we're going to kick it off by introducing you now to Tammy Fraser, and we are going to jump in to learn more about her journey on becoming a functional nutrition therapy practitioner and how she was introduced to the WALS protocol, what that is, and what did that protocol do to transform her and her family's lives, and now the people that she works with and serves as a practitioner. So, Tammy, welcome to Connected with Micah. We are so happy to have you today. Well, thanks for the amazingly warm welcome, Micah. I'm really excited to be here and share a lot of this information because I think it's a missing piece for a lot of people's lives. It certainly was for ours, and um, it is for a lot of my clients. So, in fact, it is for all of my clients so far. I've got a pretty good track record, but I guess I want to tell you a little bit how I got here I think that's one of the most important things that people really need to hear, how I ended up being here. And so, first of all, I'm a, I'm a mom who has a son who was diagnosed with autism at an early age, and he ended up having a lot of food issues. He couldn't tolerate gluten or dairy. He had crazy behaviors. You know, at one point, we got him well, and he was looking pretty good. But in, in 2010, He had a downturn in his health, and we believe it had something to do with the H1N1 part of the flu mist vaccine, shedding or something. Anyway, what happened is he developed an autoimmune encephalopathy that, you know, they then labeled at that time, they came up with a new name for it, PANS, Pediatric Acute Onset Neuropsychiatric Syndrome. So my son went off kilter. This is the kid who looked pretty darn good. You know, he was walking and talking and functional at school. He had friends. He was just a a delight to be around. And suddenly he went completely backwards. He started having severe tics. He had OCD. He lost his ability to write. He lost the ability to understand what he was reading. He could say words, but he had no comprehension. He lost all of his short-term memory. He had night waking issues again. He had ups and downs on his behaviors. He had rages. He had depression. At one point, he voiced that he wanted to kill himself or he wanted to die. 
So, you know, I've got a 12 year old who's completely gone off the deep end and we didn't know why. Within about a year of his diagnosis, I started having symptoms. One day I was working at a big office. I was a, in social work and I was walking to use the restroom and suddenly one of my legs went out, out of the blue. And it felt like when you sprain your ankle or something, how you'll get that swelling that causes your skin to be really tight. And it felt like that, but I hadn't injured myself at all. Nothing had happened. I didn't know what it was. And I literally couldn't walk. I mean, I went from, I'm walking to the bathroom to snap your fingers and you suddenly can't walk. So I had a coworker bring me a rolling chair and I used the rolling chair as a walker to get to the restroom. And that was the first thing that happened. And then more things started happening and more things. I lost my short-term memory. My sleep went crazy. I started losing my hair. I had so many symptoms. I, I can't even, you know tell you about all of them right now. But basically, you know, I was diagnosed with atypical MS and I'll never forget going to the neurologist, the MS neurologist. They told me, well, you don't quite have MS because you're walking a little bit too fast. But if you come back in six months, we'll give you a diagnosis. So, okay, you're not quite bad enough yet. Can you come back when you're worse? Okay, that's great. And then they sent me to a physical therapist to teach me how to walk with a cane. I didn't want to walk with a cane. And then they sent me to a sleep doctor because I told them I wasn't sleeping. So they sent me to a sleep doctor and, you know, I did the sleep test. That's crazy. And they didn't really find anything, but they did an MRI and they found spots all over the bottom of my brain. It, it looked like buckshot. It hit my brain. And so here I am. I've got all these crazy symptoms. I tried to go to an infectious disease doctor. I think I blogged about him because he was so horrible to me. The things that he said to me were so crazy and horrible. I show up with a stack of laboratory results that are showing abnormal, abnormal, abnormal. And he tells me to go lose weight and get exercise. Remember, I can't walk at this point. I'm walking with a cane. So that had to have been overwhelming because first of all, what I have found is that with families, that it's not uncommon that if there is a susceptible or vulnerable individual that has autoimmune issues, that it's not uncommon for another family member, whether it be the parent or a sibling, to have issues as well. But for many people that haven't experienced the circumstance of when you yourself are affected and you are caring for an affected child or even an affected parent, you know, it is extremely difficult. And so I just, my heart breaks because when we're looking for answers and we have data that shows something isn't right, it's probably one of the most discouraging feelings that we all can relate to when you're like, but wait, here, this says, no, not normal, different, wrong, and nobody has an explanation. And then for yeah. it to be minimized and to be given no hope. And one of the things here that that we talk about a lot on Connected is having hope and holding on to hope that every time a door closes and you have information that you don't let that close your determination because just because one practitioner or one professional doesn't have the answer doesn't mean it's not out there. I always talk about, and Victoria would probably laugh about this, but when I watched on, I think it was 60 Minutes, I can't remember which program, it was either 60 Minutes or one of the shows, Dateline, maybe it was Dateline, that when Victoria Beck and her husband were on about the Secretin studies with their son and autism, I remember where I was standing in the living room of my parents' house, and when I saw that, I said, that's it. That's part of Jacob's missing piece of his health issues. And it made me realize in that moment that 
we can be in the battle and in the trenches of what we're dealing with personally in our lives. And we don't realize that literally, call it God, call it karma. We don't know who's working on our behalf or whose data or whose battle that's happening on the other side of the country. We don't know what's happening that could directly change the course of our future and make a difference in our lives. So I think it's so important that for the listeners, just like you did, to hold on to hope and to look for answers, to not let the practitioner who didn't have the information or didn't have the data to discourage you and to not continuing to look. And I think the greatest gift that some of the medical professionals, psychological professionals, whatever, in whatever area that they could give us is if they don't know, to just look at us and say, I don't know, I can't help you. But No, they won't do that though. The majority will not do that. The Western trained professionals will not say, I don't know. They will say, you are crazy, you are lazy, you are, and they will reflect it back onto the patient as if there's something wrong. And one of the things I noticed also, sorry guys, but I gotta come up with this, if you are a female and you go to a doctor by yourself, especially if it's a male doctor, and you do not bring your husband, your spouse, your boyfriend, someone who loves you, that you are treated even worse. I noticed a great distinction when I brought my fiance, who's now my husband, with me. Suddenly, the doctors would be much more respectful. It was kind of a weird thing. But if I showed up as you know a sick mom, then I was pretty much tortured by them. But you know, we went. I saw a lot of doctors. I waited six months to see an immunologist at the university hospital. And at that time, I had amassed a, about three quarters of an inches uh, of lab reports that were abnormal. And so. I took great pains to make up a little chart to go on top of it that showed the date, what the lab was, what the normal range was, what my range was, whether it was high or low. And so I had this like cheat sheet on top and the young doctor came in first and he was like the intern and he was asking me what had happened. And so I was explaining to him that I wasn't really sure what happened, but had all these things that, you know, were going wrong and look at these labs. And, you know, he looked at him, he's like, he saw that I had almost no white blood cells he saw that I had inflammation off the chart. He saw the MRI results with these spots everywhere. And he was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, this is just awful. I can't believe all these results. And he walked, he says, I'm going to go talk to the doctor. So he walks out and he talks to the doctor who's probably about 70, who was the, the lead of that department. And I can hear them talking around the corner. And the doctor says, you know, we're not going to treat this patient, basically. He was basically blowing me off. So he walked in the room. I'll never forget that. He walked in the room with this smirk on his face that can only be, you know, I'm sure everybody's seen it, this smart Alex smirk. And he walked in the room and he says, hello, Tammy, how are you? Very, very patronizing. And I said, well, I'm pretty sick. Are you guys going to be able to help me? Well, here at Blah 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 Clinic, we usually treat sneezes and wheezes. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm here at a, I, I just waited six months to see an immunologist because I thought that you had higher thinking and you might be able to put the pieces together. And you're telling me now that I should have gone to go see an allergy doctor that's 10 minutes away from my home. And basically he blew me off and sent me on the way. And while he was patronizing me, the intern was standing behind him and I was watching the guy's eyes get bigger and bigger and bigger. And the, and the, little, the little guy was... He's probably from India, so you know he's probably more Eastern medicine in his family. But he had, you know, gone to school here, 
And so he's watching in absolute shock as this doctor is tearing me down to the ground. And he's shaking his head and I can see him. He's almost about to cry seeing the way the doctor's treating him. And anyway, the big doctor left and I was about ready to cry. And he came over to me and he said, I'm so sorry. And I said, I'm so sorry too. You should not be practicing medicine in this country. It's going to kill you to practice medicine in this country because I, I see that you care. Anyway, nobody could figure out what was going on with me. Nobody really figured out what was going on with my son. They wanted my son on antibiotics. So I put him on antibiotics because we didn't know what to do. I put myself on antibiotics. In fact, one of the antibiotics I put me on actually helped get my short-term memory back because I'd lost all my short-term memory for about two and a half years. So that was kind of a plus. And it's not something I really wanted to do. I didn't want to take more. So I'm curious, what was the antibiotic that they prescribed for you at that time, Tammy? Do you remember? I think it was Seftin. I think it was Seftin, which is really broad spectrum. Kills everything. They put my son on Augmentum. But anyway, you know, we're both still sick, but I started getting my memory back. That was my biggest thing at that time. You know, I had a desk with a big credenza on the back of it, the shelves. And literally, I was living off sticky notes because I didn't have any working memory or short-term memory, I wrote everything on a sticky note. There must have been 300 sticky notes above my desk. If you've ever seen the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, that's how I felt. I could not hold a train of thought in a bucket. So I had these notes. <laughs> Remember to take the trash out on Thursday, you know, don't forget to take your pills and call this doctor or that doctor. Anyway, mainstream medicine offered nothing for my son or I. At one point, they were so worried about my white blood cell count. They sent me to the cancer center to look for leukemia. And they came back and said, well, you don't have leukemia, but you still don't have any white blood cells. Okay, well, that, that's great, you know, and you also don't have any iron and you don't have this, you don't have that, but you know, you just need to get more exercise and, and lose some more weight. Good. Said, said um, no one ever, right? Unfortunately, we do hear that, but that's not the solution when you're dealing with a multifaceted or multiple comorbidities that right. can cause the manifestation like what you're talking about. And unfortunately, right. I think that what we all realize is when we've lived on the side of this life where there's multiple factors that it really is connecting the dots. And that's one of the reasons why, even with the podcast, that we called it Connected, because we wanted to be sure that we were connecting people with hope and resources that maybe they would have never heard about because the condition that they were diagnosed with, that a person was only looking at the treatments or the interventions that fell in line with that condition. When we're learning more and more that there's transference of interventions dietarily, nutritionally, and medically, where maybe some of these conditions are categorized more in groups and that we can see a benefit to overall health and wellness of what we're doing from a treatment standpoint. And also looking at multidisciplinary teams. And that's something that we're not really strong on here in the United States, at least at a ground level you don't see a lot of sharing the road and everybody working together on looking at what can you do, like carving, this is my part, this is your part, let's see how these work together. And I think it's typically a tremendous disservice for individuals because the head's connected to the body, the body deals with the gut, the gut has same neurotransmitters as what's in the brain. I mean, so when we start looking at the big picture, to not be pigeonholed into a situation where one doctor says, sorry, I'm piecing out, you know, can't do that. So tell me what at that point, you obviously had to have been emotionally distraught because I know for all of us, 
that have been at that place where, especially if you've been on a waiting list for that, that one practitioner, you're thinking, all right, today's going to be the day I'm going all in. I'm going to pay the $600 out of pocket for the one hour. And I've read his pedigree and it looks like he's had the right schooling and talked to the girl in the front office and the manager said he's open-minded and blah, 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 blah. And then you get there. And it's a big nothing burger. How many times did I get there? How many times did that happen? So I just basically realized, you know, at that time, I still had a, a, what you call a Dan doctor for my son, defeat autism now. And now they call them MAPS doctors. Anyway, I had a doctor like that. So we were trying to, you know, basically use him. And I was asking him if he could help me because I was really lost. I didn't have a functional medicine doctor at that time. So He was given a little bit of help, but I wasn't getting much better. Anyway, what ended up happening is about that time, I saw this video on YouTube. It was a TED Talk by Dr. Terry Walls, and it was called Minding Your Mitochondria. So, you know, the TED Talks are like 20 minutes. Hers is like 17 minutes. And I watched her video, and it was all about how she cured herself or, you know, basically recovered herself. She's not cured. She could still have MS any day if she went back to her old ways. But she recovered herself with paleo principles, basically chronic illness. And she recovered herself using diet and supplements. And a lot of people wouldn't have put two to two and two and two together there, but You know, I've been this, what they call the biomed mom for a long time at that point. And I realized that, you know, it is the mitochondria. That was one of the things that had brought my son back from his symptoms when he was little was to put him on a mitococktail. So it was a bunch of supplements. So I realized the mitochondria was what we were looking at. We needed to cure the mitochondria so that the mitochondria would be healthy, that they could create the cells, the cells create the organs, the organs create the systems. Tell Um, our audience, for the people that may not be familiar, what is the function of a mitochondrial cell? So the mitochondria is basically the battery inside every cell of your body. It's the power that powers every cell. And if you don't have power in your cells, then your cells can't rejuvenate organs. Your organs can't rejuvenate your tissues. You can't rejuvenate yourself. If your mitochondria are sick, you're going to be sick. Anyway, I watched this talk of Dr. Terry Walls and Dr. Terry Walls was a medical doctor herself. She was working at the VA hospital with veterans who had, you know, traumatic injuries, a lot of toxicity, and she had the ability to see any doctor that she wanted. She actually went either to the Mayo or Cleveland Clinic. I know one or both. She saw some of the very best doctors in the world, and yet nothing was getting her well. So she basically started doing some research, and I'll kind of sum it up how she talks about it. She started looking at, well, I've got this symptom in my leg. How would I get rid of this weird tingling sensation in my leg, for instance? And so she would spend time looking at PubMed and figuring out, she'd look at the rat studies because they, everybody does studies on rats. And if they never get to humans, they always do them on rats. You can sacrifice rats for anybody. So she would look at these studies and say, oh, well, you know, just as an example, it's, it's like, I'll just throw something out. For instance, maybe the rats needed 500 milligrams of magnesium to get rid of restless leg syndrome. I'm not saying that that's true. I'm just saying as an example. And so she'd say, well, okay, so what's a rat weigh and what do I weigh? And she would take the therapeutic doses they were giving rats and apply it to herself. And lo and behold, the symptom would go away. So then she'd go on to the next symptom. And so finally, she got to the point where she was taking handfuls of supplements 
And she got to thinking, well, what do people used to do? They didn't used to just be able to go get a supplement. What the heck did they do when they were so ill and they couldn't get themselves well? I mean, they didn't have access. They had to get this nutrition from food. So then she started finding out, well, what does it take to get 500 milligrams of magnesium from food? Oh, so I need to eat a certain amount of green leafy vegetables in order to get that. So she started transferring from supplements to food. And at that time, she wrote a book, Minding Your Mitochondria. I have to confess, I didn't read it because I didn't have enough concentration to read a book at that time. I still didn't. I went from being able to read four or 500 pages a day and remember everything I read to not being able to finish the paragraph and remember what the paragraph said. So I didn't read her book, but I'm following along and I'm thinking, gosh, she needs to write a book that just explains it. Stop writing all this blah, blah, blah. Just write the protocol down. And she did. I ordered in advance her Walls Protocol, the very first edition, which was, I think, 2014. I was waiting for that book when it came out. And it came out and it was the Walls Protocol, a radical new way to treat MF. That was her title at the time. And I remember thinking, no, 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 it's not just MS. It's autism, it's chronic fatigue, it's fibromyalgia, it's everything. Well, sure enough, when the next version came out, when she you know, sold that, she changed the subtitle to A Radical Way to Treat All Chronic Autoimmune Conditions. I think because a lot of people contacted her and said, no, 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 this is not just MS, it's everything. So she wrote the book and I immediately started applying that to myself and started getting better. Within about 90 days, a lot of my symptoms had dropped off. I had my brain back for sure. And I was starting to get some of my energy back and my balance was back. I didn't have any balance before, literally. You know, I was like a weeble. I would tip over. I noticed I was able to go up and down stairs one leg at a time, whereas before my husband would have to basically yank me up the stairs one at a time, one foot and then slide the next foot, one foot, slide the next foot. So anyway, I started getting better. And at that time, my son was still, he was doing okay, better than he was, but he still had these crazy mood swings, ups and downs. And it was kind of losing my mind because you never, it felt like you were walking on eggshells at the house. You never knew when this kid was going to, you know, just get explosive or his behaviors would ruin a vacation. Remember, we took a vacation. He wanted to go see the Redwood Forest and he had a, quote, flare up in this pans, pandas type of stuff. And he had the most miserable 10 days. This was the vacation that he wanted for years. And he had a horrible time. How many people have a horrible time driving down the Oregon coast with all the natural beauty, going through the redwoods? He had a horrible time. But you know, Tammy, it's so funny that you use that as an example because last year, my other half and I, we took my son, Jacob, on his, we called it his national U.S. tour, his travel extravaganza, whatever. And this was- I remember that. Oh, and it, it, I mean, the pictures were amazing. I mean, it was the coolest, greatest thing. And for any individual to go out of their way to make this happen, because my husband obviously is not Jake's dad, but the thoughtfulness and the time and the planning and the resources that went into it. And so like you, it was hard when we're going through this beautiful scenery and seeing stuff in the world of autism, you know, they have an idea. They've seen movies, what it's supposed to look like, maybe even what the sequence of events is supposed to be. And it's funny you say the Redwood Forest because as we pulled up, and of course it was raining when we were there, and there's a sign. And I'm like, we took pictures at almost every state border sign, right? To create this collage so that he could have memories. And he loves doing the selfies there. And unfortunately, I didn't realize we had started some new uh, protocols with his therapy that behaviorally, I wish I would have better understood 
the way they were being implemented because it caused some issues for him with his communication while we were on the road. But as we're out, I'm thinking, you've talked about the Redwood Forest for 15 years, and we finally get to one of the signs, and he starts flipping out over that picture and the tree. And I'm like, you gotta be freaking kidding me. This is, you almost as a parent sometimes when you have one of our kiddos and God bless them, no one wants to feel the way they feel. There are so many comorbidities and issues that impact their mood and behavior and their ability to think. So just like how you're talking about that having that ability to have clarity, I've seen so many adults that depending on the condition they have, they can't remember what they just read or when they went to the next room. And so when you see somebody that's struggling and you've seen people improve, it's heartbreaking. And then when you've put so much time and effort, you're like, but I want you to enjoy this. This is what you wanted. And then for- You enjoy it, damn it, or else. (laughs) Right. You're like, now, have fun, because I said so. But for us, it was the same thing. And so looking at the different variables that can impact that or the reactiveness. And obviously, one of the things we're going to talk about as we have these continuing series is the role that inflammation plays. Inflammation is such a huge contributing factor to disturbing the gastrointestinal tract, the immune system, the nervous system. And that's one of the things that as I was reading about your story, and for those of you who don't know, Tammy and I have known each other. We met back in 2004. So to see where all of us have come and journeyed the paths that we've led and to see what we've been introduced to, it's exciting to know that everyone has a purpose of trying to make a difference and that our lives have become grounded on doing that, not just for ourselves and our families, but trying to make a difference for others. But in going forward and reading your story and then reading Dr. Wall's story and seeing the TED Talk, it was exciting because to see the impact, to see her in, I guess it was that reclining chair, to see that she mm-hmm. was, I guess, at a, in a wheelchair to some extent, or, you know, some of the no, images. she was. She was in a she was confined to a tilt recline wheelchair. She was hardly, if she did walk at all, it was with two canes, very painfully and very slow. And she went from that tilt recline wheelchair to riding a bike in six months. Which is phenomenal because we all know that the um, secondary complications you can have from deterioration of muscle mass and strength and, and all of those components is significant when you are isolated to reduced mobility. So that's significant that she was able to bounce back to that. So with the book, when she came out with the second book, what happened? What did you do? So when she came out with The Walls Protocol, I I just dived into it and started reading. And I realized it wasn't that hard to read. When Dr. Walls writes things, I mean, a lot of it was, maybe it's harder for some people who've never been in the biomed diet autism world. Maybe some people who've been eating a standard American diet for many years that still call the pizza guy and go through the McDonald's drive-through. Maybe it's harder for them to understand, but a lot of the terminology was easy for me to understand. When she talks about detox and stress reduction, that was easy, you know? And when she talks about restoring your mitochondria, that was a concept I could think of. And when she talked about sulfur-rich vegetables helping detox the bodies, that was easy for me to understand. So when she first wrote the book, she has three levels of the diet. So everybody starts, you know, everybody who's not already on a gluten-free, dairy-free diet would start at level one. And we were already gluten-free, dairy-free. So we, you know, we looked at that and I realized, so on a level one, you're allowed to have no gluten, no dairy. You can have grains or legumes, but they must be soaked or sprouted, right? 
she emphasizes three cups of greens, like dark leafy greens, three cups of sulfury, cruciferous type of vegetables, and three cups of brightly colored fruits and vegetables. No gluten, no processed foods, no eggs, no dairy products, no sugar. Giving up dairy was probably one of the hardest things I ever did. I, man, I have a cheese addiction like you wouldn't believe. Giving up eggs was like, are you kidding me? Giving up eggs was really hard because I was used to making paleo baked goods, almond flour muffins and coconut flour pancakes, and to be told to give up eggs. And I thought, well, that's crazy. Well, what Dr. Wall says is that you need to give up eggs for 90 days and then reintroduce them and see if you're reactive. People will say, I, I know I don't react to them. I was one of those people too. When I gave up eggs for 90 days and I reintroduced them, I was doubled over in pain for about six hours after eating scrambled eggs. And I realized, yes, all along I've been impacted by them, but I had such a level of inflammation that it was kind of like my whole house was built out of inflammation bricks so adding one more brick of inflammation wasn't much. But now, being on her diet for three months, my, I didn't have hardly any inflammation bricks around my house. So when I added that big old pump of eggs, I noticed it immediately. So anyway, I got so let on me, the diet. Let me ask you a question real quick, though. Uh -huh. With that, so first, and I'm sure most of our listeners do know this, but gluten, for all of you who aren't familiar, is the sticky stuff that's in wheat, oats, rye, barley, spelt, all sorts of stuff right. that is also known to be the one of, one of the offending agents when we talk about celiac disease. Now, there's a whole other body of evidence where we talk about just not just the gluten, but the starches, but for many of us, and for people, and you may have heard this, if you've been diagnosed with chronic fatigue or MS, that a doctor would often say to start off with removing the gluten and getting rid of dairy or even casein. Casein's a protein that's in dairy. And so when we look at this, those are some of the preliminary steps that people often take when they're trying to identify any offending agents dietarily that could cause inflammation or pain or fogginess of thought or bloating, gastrointestinal distress. So that's kind of the starting place that most even traditional allopathic doctors now embrace to some extent, looking at a reduction of those things. And sometimes now we found that for many people who aren't clinically celiac, that haven't shown they have antibodies to gluten, one of the thoughts of mine now is that it could also be an issue with chemicals that are used on the grains when they are being harvested. So when you look at your glyphosate and your different um, emergence agents, that those can be contributing factors to the immune response and inflammatory response when the person's consuming those foods. So dietarily, Tammy, you had already started on a journey of removing and eliminating and I'm curious, when you found that reaction with the eggs, had you had any allergy testing to show that you were positive or negative to eggs? No, all my money was always spent on my kid. You know, when you have a child like mine that had so many issues, you really kind of neglect yourself because there wasn't enough money to go around. There were many years that my son's medical, out-of-pocket medical expenses and dietary expenses were, it's pretty typical for him to have thirty dollars to $40,000 a year in uninsured, unreimbursed expenses. 
for his special diet, his therapies, speech therapy, occupational therapy, ABA therapy, the tutors, the list goes on, biofeedback, neurofeedback. <laughs> we can go on a homeopathy. Let me ask this though, in this protocol, because I've seen this before where people will get tested and they'll show negative, but yet when they do a dietary challenge and they remove a food and they're systematic, they can see a difference in the way they feel or even Absolutely. maybe some, some of the physical manifestations of itching or fogginess of thought. And so that's something that I think is important that we also need to look at the different tests that are done for allergies. We have to remember, just like with anything else, that that is done in a lab. And you know what? Mistakes can happen. So if you have personally gotten results back that say something's negative, but you have come in contact with what you feel is a clearly overt issue, then you may still want to lend an air on the side of caution and pay attention to your body. People forget yeah, though about the labs. You should just maybe do that. I think an intelligent person would get that. So I hear from a lot of, especially, I want to call them the denialist parents. There's a lot of parents who have kids with autism that say, well, my pediatrician checked my child for, for allergies and they don't have any. I really don't care what that pediatrician said. My son was tested, skin scratch testing many times, and it didn't come up. And you can do a lot of different allergy tests. You can do the skin scratching. You can do a blood test. You can do the ALCAT, which looks at intercellular stuff. You can do the ALA test. There's just so many different IgE, IgG. It doesn't really matter. The real test is, like you said, removing the food. And I've had a lot of people say, well, there's no reason. The pediatrician said, there's no reason I should remove gluten or dairy from my child's diet. And I would like to point them back to Dr. Harumi Giannucci, who found in 2001 that gluten, dairy, and soy caused inflammatory brain responses in 91% of the children on the spectrum. So go argue with her. Have your pediatrician argue with her because she is a hospital-based, university-based, PhD immunologist who's been studying immunology for 40, 50 years, 40 years at least, and she's run those studies. And you can't argue with the fact that it caused brain inflammation. And brain inflammation, of course, causes behaviors. Brain inflammation causes bipolar disorder. It causes clinical depression. It causes all kinds of symptoms. You know, you see uh, brain inflammation in all the autoimmune disorders. So it's a gut brain thing. When you eat it, it's going to affect your brain. And the other part That's too, one. I'll tell you is that gluten back in the day when I started doing my research for Jake, and this sounds so archaic and crazy, but I went to a library and I was looking through what books were there. And historically, from a historic perspective, I found this amazing book that literally was like from the 50s. And guess what it talked about? It talked about the removal of wheat and dairy and improving the lives and behaviors of people with schizophrenia. Huh? And, I was going to say schizophrenia, huh? And what, yes. And when I saw that, this was before we had our deluge of autism diagnoses. Because, you know, my guy now is 24. And this was when he was probably like, I don't know, three. And to go to a library, just a public library, nothing special. I mean, obviously, we weren't able to Google and get books like this. So to be able to do that and find correlation and studies was just like psh, mind boggling. 
I was like, okay, then why do we have so many practitioners now that belittle this and belittle that and say, no, don't worry about it and do this. And it was just one more piece of confirmation for me to look at dietary and nutritional interventions as a true means of helping my son. Absolutely. I remember another, what I would, one of the most important people over time, Doris Rapp. She wrote a book, Is This Your Child? She used to write a syndicated column and people would read that and they appreciated that. My gosh, she was writing those columns probably in the fifties, definitely in the sixties. And her book, if you get that book, Doris Rapp, Is This My Child? Read through that. Doris has it. She understands. She talks about all this anyway. And then you go to your pediatrician and they blow you off. But okay, I'm not going to bash on pediatricians. No, because we have some great, no, because here's the thing. What we want to realize and recognize here, because we're all about being thankful and appreciating and looking at moving forward. And we're sharing these obstacles and events because we know that many of the listeners, many of you out there, you have experienced what we're talking about. And so to know that you are not alone, you are not the only parent or the only individual that's had a door slammed in your face, that you have had results, that you've known that it means something and you didn't know what that translated into, but you knew something wasn't right. And so here, what we try to do is to let you know you're not alone, that we've been there, that we've done that but that there's hope. And so what we do then is that we are thankful for the practitioners. And as we look at hearing more about what Dr. Walls protocol looks like, that people like Dr. Walls, that the physicians that are looking beyond the cornerstone of pharma, that we're looking at how to heal a healthy body and looking at it as the whole person, we're thankful for those practitioners that step out and step up to make a difference. Absolutely. So Tammy, tell us, what does it look like with the protocol? So you, you read the book, then what did you do? Well, I started following the protocol. And when I first started that, I actually came from the Midwest and down in the South in the Midwest, people eat quite crazy. The ethnic foods down there, you cook up a mess of greens. Well, I had never had a mess of greens because my mom didn't do that. So collard greens and pork fat is phenomenal. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I hadn't had kale or collard greens in my life. The only time I had bok choy was at a Chinese restaurant. Mustard greens, never had those in my life. Dr. Wall said, hey, try this. Okay, I'm going to try it. So I just got brave and started trying eating greens. And if you don't like the way they taste, add more bacon. That's what she says. So I would add more bacon. So I kicked up a lot of greens and bacon. And then to get my sulfur in, which is sulfur is not just the the brassicas, cabbage and broccoli and what have you, uh, cauliflower, but it's also mushrooms, onions, and garlic. So it's easy to add garlic to your greens. Mushrooms, okay. Well, I was told when I was growing up, my mom told me that mushrooms had no nutritional value whatsoever. Now I know that's not true, that they are actually, they have beta-glucans and they help build your immune system. So they're very valuable and they contain sulfur. And vitamin D. Absolutely. So, okay. All right, I'm doing it. And color. So I wasn't a big beet eater. I remember having to eat pickled beets as a child, being forced to eat them. And I'm telling you, I have no love for pickled beets, but I learned how to make different kinds of beet salads and how to incorporate them into my diet. So on your color, what Dr. Walls really stresses is try not to make all that color fruit because you really want the brightly colored vegetables and as many varieties as you can. So when she talks about color, if you cut a beet through, it's red all the way through. If you cut a carrot, it's orange all the way through. If you cut an apple, it's white in the middle. That's not a color. Those are things that you can have after you've completed your three cups of color. 
some of the most important fruits are the berries. They're not only low glycemic, so they have low sugar and they don't jack up your blood sugar, but they have that really amazing ORAC score, which is your antioxidant score, especially blueberries. Blueberries, there's study after study on the power of blueberries for antioxidants in your brain. So, okay, I'm doing it. I'm like, how do I get three cups of dark leafy greens in a day? Well, actually, if you take three cups in a, you know, you pack them into a measuring cup and you throw them in a skillet, they turn to about a cup and a half. So that's easy. But well, okay, maybe that's an off day. You're not cooking greens in a skillet. You can throw those in a smoothie. And she wants you to have healthy oils and coconut milk. So you can put the greens and your fruit and coconut milk into a smoothie and voila, you've got something nutritious to have for breakfast if you don't want to eat greens for breakfast or meat and vegetables or what have you. Anyway, I just continued on the diet. She emphasizes if you can, if you can afford it, grass-fed or wild-caught proteins. And on, as far as, there's kind of some guidelines on the fats. Canola oil and soy oil and peanut oil should never be in anybody's house. Never. They're, they're all poison. But certain oils you can cook with and certain oils should always be served cold. So the oils that you should cook with are coconut oil and then the animal fats lard, tallow, duck fat. Those are all things, you know, bacon grease that you can cook with. On the vegetable oils, you should never eat those. You can use those in salad dressings, things like avocado, olive oil, and nut oils. And so follow along there. If you're eating nuts and seeds, soak and sprout them to take the phytic acid out. It sounds really, really complicated, but I just started doing one thing at a time and getting it right. And then I would add one more thing. You've heard maybe that saying, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And it's kind of how I adapted to the diet. So I got level one down pat. It allows you to have one serving of starch a day, non-gluten grain type of starch, rice, white potato, purple potato, whichever. And I figured, well, I still felt a little heavy, if you will. I mean, just my body just felt a little sluggish. So I, I got myself up to the level two where you only eat starch twice a week, basically, those non-gluten grains. You know, maybe you have a baked potato one day and then rice a couple days later or gluten-free noodles or something like that. Anyway, that's the level where I felt the best. And so I'm feeling pretty good. But, you know, here's my son. He's up and down. He's up and down. And it's really hard to motivate kids on the spectrum sometimes. And so my son had wanted to go paragliding off the mountain that's pretty close to our house. There's this place, every time we would go up to the health food store, we would drive by on a beautiful sunny day like today, and there would be paragliders jumping off the mountain. I'm glad he wants to do that. For me, no, I'm no idiot. I'm not going to jump off a hill with a parachute on my back. But he wanted to do it. And so I called and I found out it was about 300 bucks. So I talked to my son who was already irritated by his restricted diet. You can't have gluten. You can't have dairy. You can't have soy. These are all the things that bother you. You can't have corn. And this sets you off and that sets you off. Sorghum sets you off and yeast sets you off. So he's, he's irritated at me and he's, you know, mood swings. And I said, I got a deal for you. If you'll try this Walls protocol and Terry Walls will tell you 100% for 100 days. That is the mantra. Do it 100% for 100 days. And my further mantra is, and if you're not happy after that, I'll gladly refund all of your grief. Just try it. So I pitched that to my son. I said, if you will do it for 100%, 100 days, I'll pay for you to go jump off that hill and it's 300 bucks. No, no. Ugh. Stomp, 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 stomp. Slam the door. 
Okay. All right. Well, that didn't go so well. So I'm thinking, how the heck am I going to get this kid motivated? I just start cooking dinner and I'm just fuming. I, I can't figure out any way to do this. Comes back in about 20 minutes later. Okay, I'll do it. So anyway, I got my son to adopt the walls protocol for a hundred days. And he was doing so much better that he was saying all the time, wow, I feel really good, mom. Wow. I'm super, I'm feeling good, you know? And, and, and he, I can think straight and, and my brain, he had this symptom, his, he called it brain echoing. You know, when you have a bad connection on the phone where it echoes, Yes, that was his life. He was hearing echoing in his brain like that. So you can imagine why he was in a bad mood all the time. I don't have any more brain echoing. Okay. So at the end of the hundred days, I said, okay, well, I, I'm going to have to sign you up to go paragliding and you'll have to wait for it. You can't do it when it rains. They, they only do it on certain days. Okay. He's good with that. And he went paragliding. I have a video of it. It was his victory lap. He got up there. No fear whatsoever. I don't know where this kid came from. Really. He's not my child pretty much, but he jumped off the hill and did a tandem and landed on the ground and said, when can I do it again? And I, well, well, you can have to pay for that one. So I said, well, you know, you've fulfilled your part of the deal. You know, you can go back to eating sugar and paleo this and paleo that that has a lot of sugar in it. And you can go back to having coconut flour pancakes with eggs. And he said, you know, mom, I feel so good. I want to keep going here. I don't want to go back to feeling like that anymore. So my son's been on the protocol with me. And slowly but surely, we've gotten my husband on board he still probably eats too many. He eats too much nut butter. He's got a nut butter addiction and he eats a lot of paleo granola. So, you know, but he's very low starch and he's followed along. So our whole family is on the walls protocol. And I got well enough that I felt like, wow, I could actually concentrate now. And there was a program that I was wanting to take for about 10 years. And, you know, autism mom to autism mom, you can probably realize putting your life on hold where you can't you, you, there's no more bandwidth. You can't take another class. You can't go on a vacation by yourself. You just can't do anything because every waking hour is needed for your child. So I finally got enrolled in this course with the Nutritional Therapy Association, and it was exactly what I wanted. I had thought for years, maybe I want to go to nursing school. Maybe I want to go to medical school. And the more I thought about it, and I realized that the nurses were forced to do things like support doctors that were prescribing statins and support doctors that were giving out flu shots and some of the treatments that they would have to do. And maybe if I worked in a hospital, I'd have to put up with a dietitian that believes mashed potatoes are the perfect answer to someone with a sick tummy, which I don't agree with. So I realized that I didn't want to do that. I wanted a functional course. And I thought, well, this is doable. So I took the course and finished it and became a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. And during the time I was in that course, Dr. Walls came up with her certification program. Wow. So I paid um, to fly out to Iowa. She has her conference in Iowa every August. And it's a good thing she keeps things engaged because let me tell you, there's not a whole lot to do in Iowa in August. If you look on, you know, those ones like kayak and stuff like that, you'll say, hey, would you like to do something fun while you're there? And I typed it in, sure. Sorry, there's nothing fun there. <laughs> it was pretty funny. But anyway, I flew out to her conference and went through her four-day certification program. And then you take a test at the end and became a certified walls practitioner. And I said, you know, I think I had a kind of an in that a lot of people didn't because here I've been, you know, I've had a kid on a gluten-free diet for 15 years or whatever it was at the time. 
And I was already familiar with a lot of the supplements and the detoxification ideas. So I became certified and started seeing clients. So that's what I do now. The WALS protocol, they've gotten people sending in testimonials. And I'm going to read you a partial list of testimonials and conditions. Sorry, these are conditions where people said the WALS protocol has fixed or made better my condition. Autism, of course, PANS and PANDAS, fibromyalgia, multiple sclerosis, chronic fatigue syndrome, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, depression, schizophrenia, eczema, psoriasis, ankylosing, spondylitis, Parkinson's, bipolar, ALS or Lou Gehrig's, Hashimoto's, and those are just some of them. These are people who've actually written in and said, the WALS protocol has helped me. So today you can log into Facebook and go to the WALS protocol group. There's about 30,000 members online, the official group. It's moderated by friends of mine. Another one of my friends, oh, Lyme, sorry. Chronic Lyme was another one. Tammy, what's Mm -hmm. interesting about all those two is that all of those conditions, inflammation is a key component to- That's right. So inflammation, leaky gut, and those two components synergistically affecting the immune system, the nervous system, and the behaviors and how we respond. So I think that that's exciting to see how you actually being able to change the course of your life and your son's life. And then take it to the next level that, that, and that's the thing I love about these stories of, of overcoming circumstance is that not only have you been able to make a difference for your family, but then now taking it to the next level and moving forward to make a difference for other people. And, and when you've lived it, for those of us who have had different experiences along the way, when you go through the school of hard knocks, when you have had to get up and put one foot in front of the other every day, and sometimes it's mentally alone where you're having to just tell yourself that it's not an option. It's you're getting up, you're going to do this, and you're going to move forward, that it's not something that's up for debate. I think that then that sense of accomplishment and then the sense of purpose is even stronger. And so what I would love to do is I would like to be able to have you back for part two of this episode to be able then, or the series, to talk about, so you've gotten the feedback, the Walls Protocols taking off in the book. What does that look like? And what is it with the different phases? I know when in doing my research and looking at this, it was in stages. So I'd like for you to give us, our listeners, an idea of what do those meals look like? What are some of the replacements? And when you're talking about phase one and phase two and phase three, then what are options? And, and just tell them what are some of the things that are the no's and the yeses? And just to give them a feel so that they have an idea of what they're looking at so that when they reach out to you or when they look up the information about the WALS protocol, that they're going to have more information to relate to. And hopefully this is going to help them encourage, be encouraged to move forward to that next step. I definitely want to come back. I do have a couple parting words that I would like to say to people. There's a couple things. First of all, I don't just help kids with autism and PANS. I help adults with all of those conditions that I just read off. So, you know, my clients are very diverse. Probably 50% of my clients, though, have an, an autism or PANS diagnosis or some kind of autism behaviors. So that's one of the things I want to say. The other thing I want to say is if you think that this diet might be hard, 
I just want to tell you, for all the parents out there who are attending IEP meetings and having to pay attorneys to attend IEP meetings and are driving their kids to speech therapy and occupational therapy and are spending buku bucks on ABA therapy and all of this junk, you know, and they're doing biofeedback and neurofeedback and transmagnetic stimulation and hyperbaric oxygen and the list goes on and on. I traded all those things for time in my kitchen. And wow. my son now cooks. I'm doing well. When I first started this protocol, I couldn't walk to my mailbox, which is a couple hundred feet away. You know, I do have some knee injuries from when I had the brain thing going on. I had a lot of falls, but I like going on hikes and walks. I garden now. I have organic gardens. I grow medicinal and culinary herbs. Um, I have a little mini orchard started. I raise chickens. I've got a full life. I've got seven Labrador puppies in the other room that you might've heard on the tape. But the other thing I want to tell people is that you don't have to start and go all in. You, you just start like eating an elephant one bite at a time. And pretty soon you get used to doing something and then you'll pick up the next step of it. Even families that went gluten-free, they sometimes didn't start all at once. They kept going. What's the payoff? Well, okay. So today my son was labeled a behavioral problem and the school district had paid probably half a million dollars to send him to three different private schools for kids with behaviors. When I implemented this diet, all the behaviors stopped. The school district was absolutely shocked. They're still jerks, but they were shocked to see the progress. And he now has a driver's license and works a full-time job. And so his life has been completely transformed. Right now he's looking for a girlfriend, ladies, and he's pretty good looking. He's in early 20s. So if you know any single gals that are looking for a kid on the spectrum, he is looking hard. He wants to travel the world. He keeps putting money in the bank so he can travel the world. That's his big plan. And he helps me in the kitchen. He does laundry and he helps me cook. He does dishes. He's really pretty functional. You know, he's still a little quirky. Of course he's quirky, but we'll take quirky take any day. We'll take that. We'll take quirky, quirky over, over outbursts and meltdowns and all of that. I mean, that's, right. that's a yeah. huge win. There's no more holes being punched in my walls. Nothing being broken. Mm. I don't need to have an attendant here 24 seven. If, if my son's here alone, he's here alone. He's here alone. If I need something, you know, he's actually a better grocery shopper than my husband. My husband will come home with cilantro that's already wilted. And my son will actually remark, he's come home with bad produce again, mom. Oh boy. So, you know, I send the inspector up to the grocery shopping. It takes a little bit longer because he really does inspect it, but he comes home with the best produce ever. So he's my grocery shopper sometimes. So, you know, we have a really good life now. We went from literally, we were in hell. If there is a hell on earth, we were there to this. So I really do owe our lives to Dr. Terry Walls and her research. And this Walls protocol is transformative. So I really want to get into that and explain that the next time we talk on how you start, how you go through that, and what does it take. But I'll tell you, between now and then, the one thing you can do is go buy her book. She just revised it. It's got an extra 130 pages or so. You buy that, buy the paperback. Anybody can buy it. Um, it's on, you know, on Amazon. It's on Amazon. It. That's right. right. And so tell right. us the title of her book again, Tammy. What is the title? The Walls Protocol, A Radical New Way to Treat All Chronic Autoimmune Conditions Using Paleo Principles by Terry Walls. So you just have to remember the Walls Protocol, W-A-H-L-S. Fantastic. And, and then, Tammy, where can they- 20 bucks. 
there you go. And I think actually there were some even less on Amazon when you looked now. But let me ask you a question. Right. So where can our listeners find you? Because you, you've got set up and you've been certified as a WALS protocol practitioner. Where can they find you right now? Dr. WALS maintains a list on her website, terrywalls.com. And she has a list of WALS practitioners. So somebody could just Google WALS practitioners and look me up, Tammy Fraser. I'm in Washington State and I'm on that list. In fact, I'm the only one on the list that says I treat autism and PANS. So right now I'm the only one that's treating those using the WALS protocol. So you can find me there or you can go to Facebook and look at Fraser, F-R-A-S-E-R, Wellness Farm. And I have to tell you, I, I neglect social media quite a bit. I'm there. If you, if you send me a message through there, I will get it and I will respond on the same day. But I, God love them. I love these people that can blog all day long and they put out a new blog entry every day. That's not me. I've got acres of organic gardens. I've got a greenhouse. I've got berry bushes. I've got fruit trees. I've got chickens. I've got Labrador puppies. I've got a life. So um, I don't blog every day. When I do, I, I think it's important and there's some good material there. You can find me there. Um, eventually I'll put my website back up. I took it down because I didn't like it. And then I got very distracted. So right now I don't have a website. That is a disclaimer. I will. And it will be Fraser Wellness Farm at some point. But at this um, point, what I'll, what I'll tell you I found is just like with some of the uh, best businesses that have behavioral therapy services or programs is that they don't have to do a lot of marketing. It's word of mouth. And it's about the relationship and the rapport of the professional or clinician with the client or the customer that's being served. So we're excited to have people look you up again. That's Fraser Wellness Farm on Facebook. And then also, is it Terry Walls? dot com carry yeah. walls mm -hmm. yeah fantastic and then again people can find her book on amazon the walls protocol and so we are excited to have you and we're looking forward to having you back to where we're going to do a deeper dive into what this program looks like to give our listeners an idea of how is this different than the other dietary interventions that have been promoted for inflammation chronic fatigue and different gastrointestinal issues so Tammy, thank you so much for being here. And just until next time, have a fabulous afternoon. And for our listeners, remember, go to our Facebook page, Connected with Micah. Please leave a message, share our program or this episode to give hope to other families and friends that you have. And again, you can hit us up on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. So we appreciate your help and support. And until next time, stay healthy and well. Take care. Thank you.